through all the prisons, including Marion. I think a lot of prisoners in some of the maximum institutions are there because they can't function in normal populations in a minimum or medium security, and they're a danger to themselves or other prisoners or staff members, and they get put in places like Marion or Stateville or Menard. And yeah, but what, what does putting a human being in something like that virtually ensure? It's not any type of of uh, restitution. It's not any type of recovery. Uh, what it ensures is, you know, you teach a man to hate. It's just control. It's oh, just it's, control no, it's not just control. control. It's, it's also teaching him to hate. Well, I hate the system, uh, to hate the guards, they, to hate everything. I think, I think a lot of these people were hateful before they went into penitentiary. And I don't think it's doing them any good, but there's no other... There's no other alternative. No other alternative? No. I don't think he's taken the time to deal with that issue, just like there's a lot of other issues, like child prostitution in the streets outside here, or uh, uh, abuse and uh, senior citizens, a lot of other issues in society that are right here visible in front of our faces every day that we need to be dealing with on a priority basis. You know, it's just the way our society is functioning right now. Well, you know, I, I would imagine that if I fairly well restricted your life and didn't let you have any activities or interests, and, you know, wouldn't wouldn't take uh, very long for you to become very bitter and for your for your focus to become quite narrow, like, you know, maybe uh, thinking about being obsessed with, with nothing else than killing somebody to get even with them. Maybe somebody who insulted you in the dining room or, or whatever. Uh, is that reasonable? If I, did something, if I did something to, to wind up in a maximum security joint and I conducted myself that way, then but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't earned that, uh, I haven't earned that uh, type of punishment. I'm trying to conduct myself in society so that I can enjoy my freedom and uh, live in a tempered and a controlled uh, manner. Type of punishment? I, I thought we had prisons basically to separate people from society. We, we separate them from each other and staff members. We don't want to get hurt. And Ryan, and then give them virtually nothing else to do but sit there and think how to get even. Well, just like I say, you can look out your window and you can see child prostitution, drug addicts. Well, I don't know what that has to do with you and I running well, a child penal system. I think... Hi, Bob. Nice talking to you. And uh, I want to uh, go along with this last gentleman. It is uh, one of the things that marks the system of things, that uh, man thinks are so smart that they could rule over themselves. One of the uh, cracks in the system of things, and it really, this crack goes all the way back to uh, the judicial system, and then it branches off into, um, you know, how about the victims, and you know, how do people get out of the court, how do... Well, I, I don't know that the victim is restored because you treat the perpetrator inhumanely. Well, I agree with you. That is very inhumane, and if it was me, you know, I'd wonder if death was better than being tortured like that. I mean, I really hate going to the zoos. You see these cats just walking back and forth. A couple of times you see them slam their heads up against the wall and they just slam it against the other. Same way with human, that's inhumane. And like you brought out, uh, just because someone did something wrong to you, is this how you treat them, you know? I, and, and to be honest with you, I think death sometimes is even better than sitting there for 105 years plus five plus five i couldn't handle it you know if you think just staying in your living room the rest of your life that would be very hard i mean i'm used to working 
And if I had to stay in my living room for more than a week and not leave, I couldn't handle it. I had a sore back one time, and the doctor says, you know, stay home, don't do anything, you know, just sit there and watch TV. It was very hard to do. I can't imagine, you know, living out the rest of your life like that. I thank you very much. Okay. Take care. 591-8900, one line available to the northwest side. Hi, you're on the air at WLS. How you doing? I wanted to comment on the whole prison uh, situation that you're discussing here, Bob. Uh, I had a couple of different ways of looking at it. Uh, are you familiar with an author named Robert Ringer, who did Looking Out for Number One and a couple of other books? Not really familiar. You know, the name, obviously, I've heard. The books I've heard about, but I've not read any of them. Well, essentially, one of the things Ringer said is he discussed something called the line-drawing game, Bob. And, uh, of course, the line-drawing game is that everybody draws the lines so that they are on the good side of the line, and the other guy, although he may be doing very similar things to to me, obviously is on the wrong side of the line. And, interesting uh, concept. Pardon me? I said an interesting concept. Yeah, I, I, I see that going on everywhere. And, and this whole idea of, well, these people have done wrong, therefore, is an interesting thought to me. Because, sure, they've done wrong. But, you know, I'll bet the people that are saying that have taken uh, stamps and paper clips from their work or more. Well, I don't think it's necessarily fair to try to draw an analogy between the type of criminal in that particular institution and people that to take paper clips from the office. Uh, well, I, yeah, I they're wrong, too, but... I, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I certainly did not try to draw that analogy. I just want to let people know that they are... A lot of people are in glass houses when they throw those stones. The other angle I wanted to touch on, Bob, is... Um, you know, the, 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 the justice system itself depends on crime to survive. And the idea that, that they are going to create a system that will actually reduce or eliminate substantially reduce or eliminate crime from our society is a little silly because that would be uh, when you think about the chain of um, people who are employed either enforcing or maintaining the enforcing the laws or maintaining the the so-called criminals if every if you think about all of the industries that feed the prison and court systems being out of work if suddenly a magic pill was devised to eliminate crime that would be so so it would seem that that system has a certain vested interest in maintaining the societal pressures that bring about uh, the angry outcries of crime. The thing that seems so so hard for me to grasp is I've, you know, I'll say it one more time, I've got no problem whatsoever in isolating a criminal from society. I, you know, it's, a, it's the best money I spend. Literally, it is the best value I get for my money. But to say that, well, since you treated someone else so, so despicably, we're going to treat you despicably, I, I mean, if treating someone despicable is wrong, then it's always wrong, I, I should think. Well, it certainly is. And, and you made an interesting point, Bob, that, uh, uh, you know, the woman who believed that someone should be killed, uh, uh, what, you know, there's an old saying, one man's terrorist is another man's patriot. Uh, one man's criminal is another, is another man's victim. I mean, one uh, criminal uh, that might, uh, I'm not, and believe me, I'm not justifying this, but let's say somebody... Uh, commits a crime, uh, uh, very often they'll commit a violent crime because something inside of them snaps and, and they are, re, you know, expelling some, some uh, anger over something, whether it be justified or not, that happened to them. So, oh, that happened to me, I'm going to go out and kill that, so-and-so. Um, you know, that's, that's very little different than the whole capital punishment argument. Well, there's, a, there's another really interesting sidebar to the story uh, and that particular prison, one of the prisoners there, Pollard, Jonathan Pollard, an ideologue, 
a man who stole secrets from this country to give them to Israel. Sure. Because he was a very, very strong pro-Israeli person. Right. Uh, we, we've got guys probably working in Israel as we speak, and a lot of other countries stealing their secrets to give back to us. Isn't that interesting? Uh, <clears throat> I, I thought a crime was a crime was a crime. Oh, those are good guys because they're on our side. Thank you very much. Okay. Five nine one eight nine zero zero. Not that Mr. Pollard should not be incarcerated for stealing from this country. He should be. But to that extent. But then should anybody in that prison be imprisoned to that extent? To Northbrook, we go. Hi, North. You're on the air. WLS. How you doing, Bob? Fine, thank you. A great uh, conversation. Okay, just to address a couple different things that you've been discussing. Uh, first off, prisons were created uh, to separate the criminal from society. And I think that a lot of the conditions that are brought forth in Marion are because of crimes against themselves. Uh, well, prisons originally were created for punishment. Right. Uh, hopefully, I, you know, theoretically, we have become somewhat more enlightened as we have progressed. Uh, but originally, they were created for punishment. The article addressed a couple issues as to why the conditions have been brought about in Marion. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that they've been brought about is to protect themselves. Uh, you know, they talk about someone moving up to Class B or whatever um, mm -hmm. in hopes of getting to a, uh, a better prison, so to speak. Right. And, you know, they talk about these individuals that acted as kamikazes uh, because of uh, uh, an order from their, you know, their, their leader in the, uh, in the gangs. Well, yes, I appreciate that. And as I had said earlier, I have no problem with certain prisoners being literally, totally isolated from the population to protect the rest of the population and themselves, too. But there's just got to be a more humane way of doing it than putting somebody in a cage, asking them to sleep on a cement slab, uh, you know, watching them go to the bathroom. There's got to be some kind of a better way. Well, that's another good point. You mentioned the Big Brother theory. You know, the article brought out another couple good points in that these individuals, uh, in the couple instances that they were given the liberty of not being watched, they talk about uh, making met or, uh, making knives out of the uh, cellophane from cigarette paper. Mm -hmm. uh, they talked about uh, using aspirin to, you know, again, to manufacture these, these knives. Uh, you know, again, so I think a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of things point, point back to the fact that they brought these conditions on themselves. No, I beg your pardon. The, you know... If one guy out of 500 did that, that does not bring those conditions on the other 499. Okay, but the, the, the fact remains that I think that all of these individuals are capable of those measures. Well, the fact also remains, though, that we help make these people capable of those measures. We make them animals. We make them desperate. In many cases. All cases, no. You know, there are some crazy people in there. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are crazy. Literally insane. But because of our system, because of our penal system, and I assume that most of these guys have had quite a bit of experience with it, uh -huh. uh, we literally turn them into that type of a crazed animal. Okay. Well, again, we're not talking about individuals that are going to be turned back to society in 10 years. Uh, most of the individuals that they discussed in the article are life on life. Uh, life yeah, on life. but that's not the average prisoner there. The, the average sentence is relatively long, but most of those people will be turned back out into society. They only gave you the famous ones. Well, it seems like, you know, the, the, the prison is for the, the famous ones, though. Well, the prison has lots of famous criminals, but they're not all, you know, Pollards. They're not all uh, uh, cartel kingpins. You know, and again, these conditions... A lot of them are just common crooks. Pardon? A lot of them are just common crooks. 
but they don't get sent to the maximum security prison uh, unless they've tried to escape or are a problem in, in other uh, prisons. Well, no, I appreciate that, but I think you've missed something I said a little bit earlier in the conversation. Throughout the entire penal system, we create these people. We turn people into animals. I mean, it ain't no fun at the county jail either. It may not be quite that severe, but you're still treated pretty much like an animal. Well, again, I'm not sure. I've never been in prison. I hope never to be in prison. But uh, I, I don't think the conditions in the other prisons are anywhere near as severe as they are in Marion. No, they aren't. But, it, you know, it, it's step by step by step. Another reason that the conditions were brought on uh, at Marion is because of the fact of the, of the rioting that took place several years ago. Yeah, but again, hardly anybody's left that was there then. Okay. What about well, if you're sent to Marion tomorrow, you're going to pay for, for a riot that happened 12 years ago. I would say that the, the majority of the individuals that were there during the rioting are still there. Again, being the fact that majority of them aren't there for the year to two year stint, uh, that are, are there for 10, 20, 30 years. So, I mean, what about the right of the guard? Uh, these are, these are uh, inmates and prisoners that are ruthless. I uh, thank you very much. All right. 591 Windy, colder tonight with a chance of snow flurries. Granny has come back to visit our apartment. I heard her this morning. I, I was just went rocking back and forth. So pleasant. Continued windy and colder tomorrow at overnight low of 22, a high of 25 degrees. Right now it's 38, 39 along the lakefront. WLS Skyview traffic with the ever-dangerous Bill Keller is next. Uh, the eastbound on 8094. The traffic's solid from the Halstead on the Tri-State all the way over to Burnham because of a truck accident. Lost its trailer. It's sitting in the right lane. The inbound Kennedy, 23 from O'Hare. That's not too bad. The outbound's had a mess. There's an accident at Sayre blocking the left lane. That's got traffic backed up all the way into downtown. It's 31 minutes out to Montrose, 45 to the airport. Express lanes won't even save you five minutes. The Eden's outbound slow from Devon up to Peterson. The inbound side heavy approaching Peterson with a stall blocking the left lane. That's getting moved off to the side. 591-8900 on WLS Talk Radio 890. Once again, here's Bob Lassiter. To a car phone we go. Hi, car. You're on the air at WLS. Hi, Bob. Hi. I love your questions because they really have no good answers to them. Give well, everybody a chance to talk. I guess that's what makes a good question, huh? <laughs> that's right. On this issue of the prison. I've had the opportunity through my career to be in a lot of different prisons as a visitor only. Yeah, but, sure, right. Uh, uh, every prison that I've ever been in has got some element of mental torture or uh, confinement to it that, that we expect, that I think society expects as a general portion of the, the issue of confinement and the issue of punishment. We've been a lot of people in prison for those prisons. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe I still am a human being to some degree. Maybe think, a picture on the wall, you know? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that is a shortcoming in the prison system. We talk about all of these programs of education and uh, psychological counseling and things like that. For the most part, they aren't very successful. And uh, I don't know how to design those kind of programs so they are successful, but the answer to a lot of the, the, the way that the prisons themselves are, if you've ever gone to, to Pontiac or to Stateville or something, uh, an 80 or 100 year old prison it's falling down around the prisoner uh, we have to spend a lot more money if we're going to do something different for these people 
And I think society has to make a judgment. Do they want to do something different, knowing that this guy is going to get out eventually? And if we haven't, if we haven't tried to change him, if we haven't tried to convince him that uh, criminal conduct is not worth the price that he might have to pay if he gets caught, they're going to go back and do the same things. And the recidivist statistics show that. There's an enormous number of people that return to prison again and again. Well, one of the reasons for that is because the sentences aren't long enough. And one of the reasons the sentences aren't long enough is because there's not enough warehouse space. That's right. And there aren't enough people willing to pay enough money um, to have people, in the, even in the judicial system, to handle all the cases that come in and to build prisons to put people in. In the state of Illinois, we've built uh, three or four new medium security prisons here. And the prison population will outgrow those before they're even done. I mean, every year I pay out tax dollars, just like everybody else. And the overwhelming majority of those tax dollars go for something that isn't exactly great value. But there isn't any better value than the money that goes to keep somebody in prison. I think that's 100% true. And I think that's what people have to come to grips with. If they don't want these people to be part of society, that's fine. And there's a cost attached to that. And if they don't want these people to learn to be even worse while they're in prison, there's an additional cost attached to that. And so if we're going to look at changing the prison system, I think we're going to have to look at spending enormous amounts of money, or we're going to have to, as a society, content ourselves with the fact that we're warehousing people and that we are trying to improve them and that we're going to face the same dangers with them again when they come out. Why is that such a hard concept for the average man and the average politician to grasp? It's beyond me. It just seems to me to be common sense. Because I don't think it's a very popular thing with a lot of people to say common we're sense? going to treat prisoners in a humane fashion. And, and I get these discussions a lot. Uh, I happen to be a lawyer, so people say, well, why, uh, why do they plea bargain? Well, they plea bargain because they couldn't possibly try all the cases that are in the criminal system. There aren't enough judges, there aren't enough prosecutors, and then there aren't enough prison cells to put everybody in. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. 591-8900, one line available. <laughs> going to make fun of her uh, list. There is kind of a, a flurry of lists by uh, women anchormen. Uh, Jane Pauley kind of has one, too. So do I. You're not a television anchor woman. From, you know, making, making fun, fun of, of her. Right. This is very awkward now. Uh, all right. Well, she didn't say frankly speaking. She oh, does admit okay. to having watched the T uh, Saturday Night Live girl do her uh, Barbara Walters imitation though, and said uh, at times she laughed. Let's check on <laughs> traffic. <laughs> I don't think I'd like to. Uh, I wonder what he makes fun of me when I'm not in the room. What do you think, Producer Paul? Uh, probably my weight. Bill Keller, how's traffic look out there? Is any, are any cars left on the highway? Have they all been blown out <laughs> of the shoulder? blown right off. Well, as you had mentioned, there's that house trailer ban in effect, and it only affects the tollways. You about that picture in the paper, huh? A lot of my friends have uh, said, do you work? Is this the guy who beat you up? They probably would like to write to me, wouldn't you think? They might. Do they, do they know how to do it? I mean, are, are, your, are your friends, you know, capable of writing? I think so. Would you like them to send your... They should write it down very carefully. WLS. Talk Radio 890. That's Chicago, so fast. Wait a minute. 60601. What about 360 North Michigan? Write it down carefully, please. WLS. Talk Radio 890. Chicago, 60601. And if they send Don't you... Don't get the crayon in your eye. If they send you that story, will you autograph it and send it back to them? No. Boy, he's mean to listeners, too. You must be rough they can, they, can, they can send a $10 bill and a $1 bill, and I'll autograph one of them and send it back. Mm -hmm. Must be rough for you today. With the wind, with your inflated ego, 
You must have gotten Get out of here, Johnson. I got phone calls. See you later. Must be rough with your lady to eat, yeah. Well, I imagine you haven't caught any wind. I'm not going to try to get the last word. You noticed? I'm getting better. Yeah, right. Back Thank to the... <clears throat> First time he's called me right. He said I'm right. Did you hear that? Okay, Jim Wright with the news here at... Uh... Don't do WLS. Don't do what again? Call me out of my name. Why not? It's my show. Let me see the log. I can, I can, I can make, I can make you use any name I want to. Hold it. What's it say here? Oh my God! It's a Bob Lasseter show. I've been missing. Don't you forget it. Back to the phones we go. Uh, Morton, Illinois. Hi there, Mort. You're on the air. WLS. How you doing, Bob? Fine, thank you. Uh, you know. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, I believe it was on your radio station where there was a gentleman from uh, someplace in the West, and they had like a boot camp type training. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Have you heard of that? Yeah. And what he he threw figures like, I guess, uh, of the people who go to jail, 65% stay clean, and the, about a third continue to commit crimes. And uh, they have the same figures. They have roughly about a 60-some percent, you know, even and it's a much shorter than three or four or five years in jail. And yet they still have the same, uh, you know, 65, 30% who commit crimes. What do you think about that alternative? Well, first of all, I think you're, you're talking about a program that's primarily for youthful offenders, and I believe it's also voluntary. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you, you can, know, you can choose that. Go 90 days. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know how voluntary it is, but a lot of these people... Well, frank, frankly, I don't think an awful lot of it, because... Uh, as I've said earlier, I'd be delighted to say again, if you commit a crime of violence, I don't care if it's your first one, uh, and, you know, 90 days worth of push-ups just don't cut it. <laughs> but it seems to be working, though, is the point I'm trying to make. Well, I, I'm sorry. It, 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 in my mind, it just doesn't cut it. If, if you have so little respect for another human life as to jeopardize it with some type of violent crime, even, you know, even if you're... Even if you're not a successful murderer and, and only wound someone, uh, 90 days worth of push-ups and running around the track just, just just doesn't make me happy. I want you out of society. I don't want to take that chance well, that you're going to do it again. But uh, the people who are in uh, the high, what is it, a level six security, these people have proven that not only can they not live in society, they cannot live with the regular prison population. I'm not suggesting that they live with a regular prison you know, population. I'm just suggesting that they be treated a little bit more like human beings, that they not go through quite as much mental torture. Yeah, but the cost of a, uh, of a prison now is over $68,000 per year for one prisoner. It is not. That was the figure that was thrown around. In Bull feathers. The national average is around twenty grand. There are some states that do it for seventeen. There are some states that do it for twenty-six, twenty-seven. But it's not sixty some thousand well, dollars. Well, whoever was giving you that figure was quite incorrect. Well, these people are incapable, and seven by nine room is a dormitory. I live in a dormitory, right? Of course, you have to go out, but you can sleep in that. Yeah, I guess you can, and it's and it's you do and kill it's not somebody, and it's not too much of a hassle if you can leave at any time that you feel like at any time that you say I can't take rights. these small rooms anymore. It's, you know, you <laughs> can get up and walk out. I understand, but they have lost their civil rights because. They have not been able to uphold... We're talking part. about inalienable human rights. Well, there is nothing in the United States Constitution that says that you have to have a 14 by 50 room. You know, you have... It does... I, I, don't, I don't know anybody that said 14 by 50. Well, whatever the room. Make it 10 by 12. Or what, what is the room? No, there? there's, there is nothing in the Constitution. But there is something called... Something called a, <clears throat> a Declaration of Independence that starts off talking about all men are created equal. And, and everybody and have certain inalienable human rights. 
and certain inalienable human rights or, you know, things like going to the bathroom by yourself, you know? You can't do that in the military. I mean, what's the difference? But deep, and that is, you go in the military, you give up civil rights. If you commit a crime, you give up certain civil rights. Well, it's just, just, just because you can't do it in the military, it's not right in the military either. Well, what I'm trying to say is you, when you go into violence... See, the military wants to strip you of your dignity, too. Well, I mean, that's does. the whole purpose of doing that. It is a process, and it builds you back up again. I served in the Marine Corps. I understand the process. But these people, I mean, you, they've been convicted. They have, the point, I don't think you understand. I mean, maybe you do understand it, because you do say that you want them to have a long sentence, okay? Damn right. Okay. But a lot of these people, they don't even know how to live in the regular general population of the prison. Well, that still is no excuse for, for not providing them with the most basic of human dignity. Well, if they were to behave, then they wouldn't have DNS cell. That's the point I'm trying to make. They did, they did have a choice about it. Nobody forced them to commit the crimes they, they committed. And I know you're saying the prison system has created all this, and that's a lot of bullcrap. Nobody forced you to steal a car. I we, didn't we suggest anybody did force you to steal a car, but just because you steal a car doesn't mean that you lose any right to any form of human dignity. Well, the, the people who, uh, you lose your right to function in society. By nine room, though. Those, those are the people in the jail population. Those are the people that aren't in level six. They're in level one and two prisons. Yeah, which aren't any piece of cake either. <laughs> well, which I know. I understand that. I, in fact, that just came from the, the county prison over here, you know, which was uh, kind of uh, not the greatest thing in the world, but that was my I broke a law. Okay? I drove on a suspended license, and I paid the punishment for it. These people are paying the punishment. And it is a punishment. There is no there is no such thing as reforming some of these people. Don't believe there is. I'm not a prison reformer. I, I don't I don't think it's it's unrealistic to think you can reform these people. I think the most of the jail population does have a TV. So my my idea of reforming a prisoner is keeping him in prison so long that by the time he gets out he's so old and decrepit he can't do anything. <laughs> that would be a good idea. So that's my idea of prison reform. Well I just I kinda agree with you and I kinda don't, that's this story. And I enjoy your show. Thank you very much. Five nine one eight nine zero zero to uh, Northbrook this time. Hi, North. You're on the air. Hi. How you doing, Mr. Lasser? Fine. Thank you. I think the issue that, <clears throat> that you're talking about that there, there's two or three different sidelines. One of your previous callers, an attorney, I believe, has brought up the point that, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think you alluded to it or stated it, the fact that we're a warehousing people. Mm -hmm. Our society here in the United States is, in in, in the whole scope, is, is a relatively young society, 200 years approximately. Older societies in the in the East uh, have a little different attitude with regard to punishment of of uh, criminals. Mm -hmm. They don't warehouse ex uh, criminals unless they're uh, the extreme. What you know, what we're terming as a level six. An individual goes out and, and steals. Uh, he loses a hand. He doesn't go to jail for ten years. They're not warehousing that individual. He steals again. He loses the other hand. But he's not being warehoused. So they do have the room. Uh, and and they do not have the expense of warehouse. You know why he loses a hand? Do you know why? Quote, curable, unquote. Do you know why he loses a hand? By the way, it all and not only does it it's going to discourage him, but it also marks him for the rest of the population to know. It's even worse than that. Okay, it is. It is because it's usually the right hand. That's not usually. It is the right hand that's cut off. Correct. Uh, and it's because they have been taught to, um, how can I say this uh, delicately, taught to eat with the right hand and to take care of removing the residue exactly. when it comes out the other end exactly. with the left hand. The left and hand is dirty, the right hand is clean. Exactly. exactly. It's a religious <coughs> punishment. Yes, but there's another side to it as well, all right, is that an individual knows 
that if he does something wrong, that he's going to pay the price for it. There's no plea bargaining. All right, and I think that our society has gotten, I think we've gotten to a point where uh, you mentioned the the, uh, the rights of, of the uh, of the Declaration of Independence. Those are for the citizens, the good citizens. It's not what it says. I beg right. your pardon. It's not what it says. It says all men are are endowed by, with their by their creator with certain inalienable. Do you know what the word inalienable means? Yes, sir, do. Under no circumstances or conditions can it be taken away. Inalienable. That's right. It cannot be taken away. However, if that individual chooses to do something against society, then he is opting to give it away. It doesn't say in the Constitution, nor does it say in the Declaration. Well, he, well, he may excuse opt. Me. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Well, he may opt to give them away, but that doesn't give you a right to take them, even though he's offering to give them. No, he, if he if he chooses to break the laws, well then, of the then let's 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 take that piece of, of paper. Land, let's take that is, piece of paper and wipe our bum bums with it, okay? I beg your pardon, I couldn't hear you. I Let's to take that piece of paper and wipe our bum-bums with it. Why Our not? tushes. Why? Well, because you don't believe in inalienable rights. I believe that an individual has those inalienable rights as long as he is willing to act as a part of a society, yes. Well, I, okay, so you don't agree with the guys that wrote it. I mean, there is no such thing as temporary inalienable rights. There, no, you're right, it isn't. And I'm not saying that they are temporary inalienable. And I'm agreeing with you. Those rights cannot be, should not be taken away. The individual is acting for the most part out of his free choice to do whatever it is he did. Whether he went out and raped somebody, yes, whether sir. he went out they're, and killed somebody. Sir, I don't whatever. know anybody who has said that he didn't. Oh, I, I, I don't know anybody who said that he didn't. Excuse me. They plead uh, insanity. Well, they can plead whatever the hell they want to, sir, but I don't know anybody that, that didn't say it. And by the way, the insanity plea is brought up approximately 2% of the time, and it's successful 2% of that. Regardless. Another one of the great American be, myths. It still could be applicable to the circumstances we're talking about. Regardless, so what? That, so I, don't care if they, I don't care if they plead pink, sir. That still doesn't give us the right to treat them inhumanely. It still doesn't give us the right to torture them mentally. Do they have the, do they have the right to treat other people inhumanely? Ah, uh, sir, you're boring the hell out of me. Boring the hell out of me, sir. Round and round and round and round it goes in circles. Well, you give up your inalienable rights. Illiterates. Dundee, hi, you're on the air to WLS. Bob? Yes. Is this Dundee? I hope so. Okay, I just wanted to call. First of all, I love your show. I want to thank you for taking my call. And I can't believe some of the people that were calling earlier. I thought maybe I was the only one that was crazy, but I agree with you. I have a brother in a medium security prison. And they are stripped of everything. And it's something that somebody touched on earlier was these people are getting out. And I'd like to see more of our tax dollars going to helping them prepare to get out because they are going to get out. And it's scary to see my brother will be getting out in a couple months, and he's scared to death. And a lot of these guys go back in because they don't know what to do when they get out. They don't know how. They're not prepared. Well, but that's, you know, you bring up an excellent point because yeah. that is another thing to consider when you... When you take from someone all of his choices, he forgets how to make them. And they treat them like animals. They really do. I have visited everywhere from a juvenile correctional center to Joliet to a medium, and they're awful. They treat the families terrible, the people that go to visit them, the visitors. They treat them terrible, what we go through. Um, they search you when you go in as a visitor. It's awful. 
and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but they do treat them like animals, and the mental torture is terrible. I mean, I... I, I mean, if we are such a, a violent, vengeful people, why do we kid ourselves? Yeah. Let's cut off the hands. Let's... Let's put them on a rack. Let's, let's put the electrical yeah. wires to their genitals. What the hell? Let's, let's do what I, we really want to do. Absolutely. My brother was subject to that so young at a, at a juvenile correctional center. He is still young. He's only in his 20s, and he'll be getting out. He's been in the prison system for eight years, and it is very scary. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to live. He's got his whole life in front of him. And like you said earlier, a lot of these guys, I don't think people realize, Marion, they're going to get out. They won't stay in there all their lives. Not all of them by any no, stretch of the no, imagination. And they do have the hole, and they do have segregation in all these other prisons, even the medium ones and the small ones, the ones that that guy who said he was in the Marines, that he went to one for a driving violation or something. They have segregation in the hole in there, and they send them in there with nothing for a minimum of 24 hours at a time. And it's, it's not easy to deal with, even as a family member, to talk to one of these people who have nothing to look forward to. What do you say to them when you go to visit them or when you talk to them on the phone? You All know, we do is give them years or months, whatever the sentence may be, to sit there and become bitter. It's so hard as a family member to support. And I had a different outlook of the death penalty until I was physically brought into it by a family member. And now I have a totally different outlook on it. I, I don't know. Like you said with treating, I'm so glad that you brought this topic up because it hit home with us. And well, there, you know, there's another thing to consider, and that is, I, I firmly believe that the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of men and women who commit crimes and find themselves in state and federal penitentiaries are literally mentally ill. Uh -huh. Literally. And in essence, what we do is we punish people for being ill. Or the background that they were brought up in, alcoholic families or treated, that was what they blaming my brother's problem on, is from an alcoholic mother and everything, you know, but what are but they But when you're talking about people who go around randomly murdering other people or raping other people... Murder, uh, maybe a robbery or something, you know? Well, even people who, who, who are so stupid as to go in and, you know, pull an $11 right. stick up at a gas station... Exactly, yeah. These people are not playing with a full deck. Right, right. And so, of course... Everybody wants to, to punish the sick people. Right. Unbelievable. I am so glad that you did this. I am going to listen to the rest of it, and I love your show. I don't usually agree with you, but I had to call in today because you hit home. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Be good. 591-8900. you are in right now. Call 591-8900 on WLS Talk Radio 890. Now, more of Bob Lasseter. Oh, I know, I know. All throughout Chicago land. The sun's down even into the southern states, into Boston. He's crazy. He's a liberal. He's crazy. Let me see if I can prove my point to you. Um, men. Well, let me address the men on this one. Uh, <laughs> if, if you saw a really, really good-looking chick on the way home tonight, uh, <clears throat> are you going to jump on her bones, if you know what I mean? Well, of course not. Oh, why not? Well, you know, first of all, it's wrong, and secondly, you have to be crazy to do something like that. You can go to jail for that. Rest my case. Des Plains, hi, you're on the air, WLS. Hello, uh, this is Jerry from Des Plains. Hi. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good. I have two things I'd like to discuss this evening. Uh, to prevent a life of crime, you should take a person on a tour of Cook County Jail and see the electric chair there. 
when I was a kid of 13 years old. Doesn't prevent a life of crime, sir. I seen it, and it shook me when I saw that. Well, maybe Look it shook you, but you're not crazy. You weren't likely to kill anybody anyway. No, I wasn't. And second of all, uh, a prisoner of Marion, Illinois, they are the worst elements of our society. Well, they, they may be. Well, they, they prove by their peers in a court of law that the crime caused damaged our community. I don't know anybody that said otherwise. Nobody's disputing that. Damaged our country. Nobody's disputing that. Yeah. Please, Bob, can I finish for a second? Well, not, not if you're going to say things that people aren't disputing. I mean, you know, nobody said otherwise. If a person commits a crime, he should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. Well, that doesn't say anything. If prisons are of different levels, let them be. These people are hard, and they should oh. be treated as such. They made the choice, Bob. Oh, well, they maybe, the maybe they made the choice, sir, but you're making a conscious choice to treat them inhumanely. This so what in the hell does that make you? That so what committed. does that make you, sir? It makes me... What it makes me? Yeah. I am one of their peers. And if they commit a crime against the site, they should be treated accordingly. Well, no, that, you didn't answer the question, sir. If, if you want to treat them inhumanely, what does that make you? About the same level as they are. Yeah, I guess it does. To the south side, we go. Hi, South. You're on the air at WLS. <laughs> I, I agree with the uh, previous uh, speaker. I, I'm not sure where you're coming from. Uh, John... And what the hell did you bother to call for? Clinton, you're on the air at WLS. Bob, I thought I made myself perfectly clear. Yes, sir. Bob, this is Francis and Clinton. I strongly object to your putting the rights of these criminals over the rights of society. I didn't put any rights over anybody, sir. I'm talking about inalienable human rights to be treated like a human being. Okay. One of these criminals in Marion that has proved himself to be a violent criminal makes an attempt to escape from jail. Sir, I didn't suggest that the security be lessened. I simply suggested that in that prison and any other prison, people be treated as human beings. I agree with that. I agree they should be treated like human beings. However, if a violent criminal makes an attempt to escape from any prison, and in that attempt or afterwards commits another violent crime, his life should be taken by society immediately, um, swiftly. Um. You, you don't agree with that? You, you agree that that uh, a violent criminal that commits an additional violent crime is going to be rehabilitated? No, sir, I don't, I don't see any... I don't for see, a longer excuse term? me, sir, I don't see any reason why he should escape in the first place. Well, the, the, well what is the purpose of the Marion Jail? I'm, I'm talking about... To the humiliate people. percent of the violent criminals... To humiliate, to humiliate people, sir, and, and to strip them of all dignity and to torture them uh, mentally. I thought that the, the purpose of the Marion Jail was... At least for the 51 percent, I'm talking about the violent, the violent criminals in the Marion Jail. I thought the purpose of that, of that prison, was well, 98 percent violent, 51 percent murderers. Okay, the 51 percent murderers. I thought the purpose was because if if they were in other uh, lesser uh, level five prisons, uh, they they might hurt another inmate or hurt themselves, or they might potentially escape. And sir, hurt sir, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I suggested that that they not be kept in isolation. I just suggested that the isolation might be a little bit more human. I suggested that maybe they might have the opportunity to occasionally eat with someone else 
or that they might have the opportunity to choose between hamburgers and hot dogs, or that they might have the opportunity to go to the bathroom in privacy. That's all I suggested, sir. Okay, I think in the... In the and that's all I've suggested for two hours, over and over and over and over again. I agree with that. I agree with, in the, in the lower level, lower level prisons, oh. that, uh, that they should be treated mainly, and they should be able to go to the bathroom without someone watching them. I agree with that. What I don't agree with is if they demonstrate that they're going to continue to commit violent crimes or try to escape oh, I see. from you, their rightful punishment. Excuse me, you do what, it, what comes naturally to a human being, uh, you know, i.e. try to escape confinement, and therefore you lose your right to go to the bathroom by yourself. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. I'm really glad you called and straightened me out on that one. I hadn't really thought of it that way before, sir. This is WLS Talk Radio 890. WLS Chicago. At the sound of the tone, 5 o'clock. At who? Taylor. Guy on all morning? Oh, is he a motorcyclist? I missed that. All right. Well, he looks like that all the time. He does have kind of a red-faced motorcycle look. He looks like he's uh, been frightened and sunburned. Anyway, in downtown Chicago, the winds hit 60 miles an hour, and we have... All right. Bill Keller, you want to take the big man on? Bob can't go on the tollways? Is that the deal? Right. Do we have an ego ban in effect that runs is throughout it, northern Illinois? Is it too much hot air? What's the deal? All right, now. <laughs> oh, the expressways. Well, I'm fine on the Kennedy. It's WLS Talk Radio 890 News. Thought I'd ask you to use the name Jim Wallace. Um, why do you want to take me out of my name again? Just, you know, for the power trip. All I have is my name. He shredded my credentials. Now he wants my name. I didn't rip up your truck driving school diploma. You know, I can, I can get some help up here. All I have to do is dial 911. Yeah, right. People with guns and badges will come, and they won't even ask questions. They'll just shoot first. Just go back to the newsroom. I'm Jim Johnson. Probably listen to Steve and Gary back there. Now back to more talk. <laughs> Bob Lasseter. What a mean guy. What a can of worms you're over here. Well, welcome back there, Fun Seekers. Thursday, January the 11th, 1990. Lasseter with you. At WLS Talk Radio 890, Chicago's talk station. As I mentioned at the beginning of the program, we'll break it up into three segments. Here comes segment number two. Strangely enough, and there really wasn't any tie-in whatsoever because I didn't see that article until about 1.30 this afternoon. I have two guests in the studio. And uh, while they don't necessarily work with the kind of guys that they keep at Marion, uh, they are somewhat in the same line of business. The two gentlemen in studio with me are Sergeant Jack Halpin. And Sergeant Ron Rizzo, who are investigators with the Chicago Police Department's Vice Squad. Uh, uh, gentlemen, I, as I said, I, I know that you don't really deal with those kinds of people, but you do deal with people who go to prison. I assume that you listen to at least part of that conversation. Uh, prison the best place to send people? The prisons, the, the way they are right now. Either one. Absolutely. Prisons are the best place to send people break the law. Well, I, I'm talking about the kinds of prisons we have. Incarceration, separating people out of society, obviously. And you can move a little bit closer to the microphone so we can hear you a little bit better. Uh, but aren't we just making, you know, more criminals uh, w w the way that we, we deal with them now? I don't know. If one of the purposes uh, behind incarceration is rehabilitation. Uh, you might look at that aspect of it. The vice squad, which is really what you... 
two gentlemen deal with. Uh, what what constitutes vice in this city? Uh, now, obviously prostitution, but what other areas of the law do you get involved in as vice squad cops? Uh, myself, I deal in investigative services, gambling. Gambling? Gambling violations. Okay, and uh, you, Sergeant? Uh, with prostitution and obscene matter. Literally specialized. Uh, prostitution, obscene matter. What other areas does the vice squad get involved in? Basically, that's our main main function. Okay. Jack deals strictly with prostitution, obscene matter. I deal strictly with gambling. Gambling, though, might uh, include uh, perhaps even, uh, let's say, uh, dog fights, cock fights, that type of thing? Dog fights, cock fights, illegal lottery operations, sports betting operations, poker machines, which are a big... Uh, big part of our investigation at this time throughout the city. Why is there the specialization with the department? Uh, you know, why do you just deal with vice? Uh, is What's the logic, the, the thinking behind that? Well, basically, the district personnel are tied up with their normal procedures, the normal calls that they have, normal things they have to deal with, and they don't have the manpower to expand in, uh, in vice investigations, and we try to get in-depth investigations to eradicate the problem. Sergeant Rizzo, did you request the vice squad? Or is something you were just assigned to? I requested to come down here about nine years ago to the gambling unit. What brought, what, what, why? Why did you want to do that? Well, I like the work. I like to do the job. I, it's a different, it's a different job every day. Every day you go to work, you don't know what you're going to get involved with. Well, you could have done a talk show, too, and said the same thing. Probably. Not as well as you, though. Why gambling? Uh, well... To me, gambling, uh, you know, everyone thinks gambling, there's nothing wrong with gambling, but when you when you do this job for a while, you see what it really involves. What does it involve? It involves a lot of heartbreak, a lot of broken homes, a lot of people losing everything they've worked all their lives for, they get involved in gambling, and suddenly one day it's all gone. They've got nothing. Ooh, the same thing could be said of the stock market. Basically, gambling is the stock market. Well, it the stock is. market is gambling. Exactly. A lot of heartbreak. Uh, people come home one day, they've lost it all. Families break up. Right. But we try to we try to help out as best we can. Try to get people out of this game. Sergeant, helping your particular specialty. Why? Um, my particular case, I was asked to uh, come to this unit, and I agreed to, and uh, uh, I've been here for three years. Prostitution. A major problem in the city of Chicago? Not currently. You guys do such a good job? Oh, in or, the past... Or it's just going out of vogue? Well, no, in the, in the past, the, uh, the, the uh, Chicago Police uh, Prostitution Unit, uh, and it's prior to my arrival, uh, more or less eradicated uh, the real sources of prostitution in taverns and uh, massage parlors. And uh, now we're left with... Uh, the predominant problem is uh, street prostitution now. Obviously, some prostitutes are not just prostitutes, but involved in other crimes as well. Robbery, whatever it might be. Drug dealing, etc., etc., etc. Obviously, that's something that the community is really interested in, in getting involved in. That's, that's something that the community is interested in, in eradicating. But most of the people I talk to just aren't that bent out of shape about simple prostitution. Is it really worth the, the time and effort and resources that, that we spend on trying to arrest prostitutes? I think it is when you li happen to live on a street where the prostitutes uh, apply their trade. Uh, prostitutes have been known to uh, flag cars down with uh, 
women and children in it and uh, seeking dates and uh, it's offensive to the people, the extent of it. Uh, when we do learn about it, uh, we investigate and, and make arrests where appropriate. What exactly are the statutes? What defines pornography in the city of Chicago? Well, uh, you have to go to the state statute and, and obscenity and pornography is, is open to interpretation of uh, judges. And it, it really takes in the older clients, if I, if I may call them clients. Do you think of ever think about them? Go home and say, "Geez, I don't understand that one," or whatever it might be. Sure. Ever wonder how they got into that uh, stage of life? Sure, I have. Uh, I think all is with anything. Uh, different sets of circumstances bring them to whatever occupation, uh, greed, need, whatever. What's going to happen to the average prostitute you arrest uh, tonight or tomorrow? Uh, generally, uh, they're convicted, but uh, we're so overburdened in, a, in Cook County here with violent crimes, with murder, rape, and robbery, mm -hmm. that uh, usually sentences are probation or some to uh, form of supervision uh, for the most part. Oh, here you can go out on the street and you literally risk your life. Because you never know, a prostitute could also have a gun or a razor or just do something stupid. You go out on the street, you risk your life day in and day out. Don't you get a little frustrated at that? Sure you do, but it's a job that's got to be done, so uh, you take it in that context. Pornography. Uh, I'll come back again to that for a second, if I may. Uh, the city of Chicago doesn't really have, like, adult bookstores, do they? They do. They so, do. Oh, where the hell are they? I haven't seen any. I've been here for six months. Well, we don't want to tell you, see. So <laughs> that's part of the good job the men did is the, the eradication of most of them. But they're legal. Um, true. How often do you check them out? We're in almost on a daily basis. We're in um, most of the stores or uh, checking them out. Basically, what are you looking for? Well... Basically, uh, what we seek to do is, is find something that appears to our investigators as, as uh, obscenity or pornography. And then uh, we take it in front of a judge. We buy it or confiscate it and take it in front of a judge and, and ask him for a ruling on whether it is obscene. Well, can you give me some kind of an idea in terms of specifics as, as to what you would say, aha, this one might play in front of the judge? Now, obviously, clean it up a little bit for me if you can, but... Yeah. Um, I've talked to uh, uh, the investigator in our outfit who uh, does most of it, and he says that, that the most uh, recent convictions have been coming from the uh, bondage-type uh, magazines and uh, those that depict bondage and, uh, uh, well, that type of okay. depictions. Sergeant Rizzo, um, how do you pinch people for gambling? Well, we, there's a various, uh, various amount of ways. Basically, a lot of our complaints come from phone calls from distraught people, people who are in debt, people whose family members are gambling heavily. We develop information that way. We work uh, closely with other units uh, within Cook County and the Sheriff's Department, basically build our cases that Ever way. Ever walk into a bar and say, uh, hey, we're going to get some action around here? No, we don't. We don't. We don't work our investigations that way. We do a lot of undercover investigations in bars, but we just don't walk in. And we may put people in there for a while and 
when we have a complaint at a particular location, we'll go in there and do a surveillance on the location. But you wouldn't uh, walk in and, and try to get a little action? No. Okay. No, it's... In 20 minutes after the hour, 5 o'clock, my guests in the studio, Sergeant Jack Halpin and Sergeant Ron Rizzo, the conversation will continue. Do you remember? I believe the case, I believe the case, he was charged with possession of, uh, possession of a weapon. He was probably discharged in court when, when his case finally went to court. Didn't follow up on it, uh? No, I didn't. Do you ever worry about the people that you, uh, pick up? Worry about ruining their lives? Worrying about, uh... Maybe worry is too strong a word. Have concern for the fact that their lives are, are not going to be quite the same again, ever again. Does that ever go through your mind? Oh, sure. It goes through my mind all the time. Ever give people breaks? Sometimes. Sometimes. What's the biggest problem? What's the biggest kind of gambling problem in this area? Poker machines. Poker machines? Poker machines. How's that a problem? Poker machines are showing up in the city in practically every tavern they're showing up in restaurants they're showing up everywhere and it's a, basically it's a great source of income for organized crime if I bring five guys over to the house tonight we're playing a little bit of poker how much money do we have to have on the table before we're in trouble uh, that's a that's a very iffy question I mean uh, we don't we don't go around looking for people friendly people having a card game in their home we're not you know, that's not our main concern. Why not? It's gambling, isn't it? But there's no there's no one taking a cut out of the out of the out of the pot. There's no profit going to organized crime in a friendly card game at home. Well, how about if I take ten bucks out to cover the end of the sandwiches? You're covering, no problem with that? You're covering your expenses. There's no problem with that. And if there's a complaint, maybe your neighbor next door he doesn't like that idea, you know, he's having all these cars parked in front of his house and blocking his driveway. Is it technically illegal? Technically it's illegal. Two bucks on the table. Technically illegal? Technically illegal. How do you, how do you decide what to prosecute and what not to prosecute? I mean, where, where do you draw the line? Is it a personal decision? Is it a, a, a police policy decision or what? No, we we try to investigate as be, as best we can every call that we receive, every complaint that we receive. We do the best we can to try and investigate all complaints. And if we find a violation has occurred, then we'll take proper action. Proper action in the case of your card game at home, maybe telling you to. Close it up. It's all over for tonight. Don't do it again. Sergeant Helpin, you do. You deal with two of the most pathetic kinds of people in society. A woman who would sell her body and a, a man who is so lonely he has to buy human companionship. Do you ever look at it that way? Well, prostitution has been described as the uh, world's oldest profession. And I mm -hmm. think vice cop is the second oldest profession. So, uh, no, I don't... Sure, they, there's a sad story out there for every one of them, but uh, you can't uh, look at all of them. Do you literally go out of your way to try to harden yourself, or try to take yourself out of people's positions to be able to do your job? Do you have to do that to go home at night and relax and, you know, become a husband and a father and a, you know, a, a next-door neighbor again? Sometimes you have to, yeah. You just have to uh, forget about what you've seen and, and uh, uh, had to do and uh, try and lead a normal life like everyone else same people over and over again that you're dealing with? Mostly, predominantly, yeah. Don't they see you coming? Um, hey, Jack, how you doing? Long yeah. time, eh? Uh, our, our men uh, uh, and, and women, uh, I, I guess it's greed uh, is, makes folks colorblind, and uh, uh, we wind up getting the same prostitutes uh, day in and day out, and uh, 
the same investigators do it. And uh, I guess it's the uh, the greed that does it. Makes them blind to uh, who's approaching them. Do you ever walk into a bar, not necessarily you personally, uh, and you know, say to the bartender, hey, where can a guy get some action around here? Um, normally, if we have a complaint or if, we, if it's brought to our attention uh, through some other uh, investigation, uh, that prostitution might be occurring in a tavern or whatever, we'll send an investigator in and, and uh, let them check it out. Undercover. Right. Are most of the arrests for prostitution uh, between an actual customer and an actual prostitute, or are they what might be referred to as things or setups? No, the majority of our arrests are, are made by our, our uh, men assigned to the unit, and uh, we'll go out and uh, uh, see what a prostitutes on the street and uh, either get waved down by the prostitutes or uh, approach them themselves. So you don't really catch too many johns? No, we, we get our share of, uh, of Johns, too, but we just don't uh, make it a point to creep up on cars and uh, do it that way. What normally happens to the John when he gets caught? Well, if we catch him, he gets arrested, too. And? And charged with patronizing a prostitute. Now, what's he likely to get? Once again, we're going back to uh, the daily menu in criminal court, which is murder, rape, and robbery. So, uh, um... He's likely to get a, some kind of probation or suspended sentences, depending on what his past record is. Is he likely to get his name in the paper? In Chicago, no. Why not? I don't know. Would you like to see his name in the paper? Um, I really haven't given it much thought. I don't think so. Why not? Criminal? We, don't, we don't put the girls' names in a, in a paper. Uh, why should we put the guys? Well, you wouldn't have the girls if you didn't have the guys. No customers, nothing to sell. I, I, I don't think it'd deter uh, the prostitution. Isn't that kind of a double standard, though? I, you know, you go out of your way to get the girls, get the guys when you're lucky, you know, when they're foolish enough to you know, stop right in front of you. Uh, but if we don't do anything really to deter the customer, isn't that almost in essence encouraging the business? Well, we don't call the shots on who's, whose name gets put on the uh, radio or in the newspaper if uh, it's, uh, we're approached and asked about the uh, an incident we uh, um, have guidelines for what we can disclose and we'd be happy to but uh, apparently the news media doesn't want the information 29 and a half minutes after the hour of 5 o'clock the time my guests in the studio two gentlemen from two investigators to be precise from the Chicago Police Department Vice Squad Sergeant Jack Halpin Sergeant Ron Rizzo uh, if you'd like to join in the conversation, let me give you the telephone number, 591-8900-591-8900. Johnson's next, though, with the news. Winds, it's oh, awful. Uh, Stay at the office. Highways. Look at these accidents. What's going to happen? Uh, and I'm Bill Keller. How'd I do, Bill? Good. <laughs> there, we got you now. Okay. We caught our we caught our producer in the bathroom with his pants down. <laughs> Literally. Yes. On the Kennedy. Stop and go out to say, not quite four hours, just about 40 minutes. 26 to the Montrose, uh, 22 in the express lanes. The outbound Eden stop and go up to Nile Center. Uh, about a half an hour to Lake Cook Road. The inbound side, just a little tight approaching Peterson. The Eisenhower stop and go Independence to Mannheim. 37 to Mannheim. Inbound slow Mannheim to Desplaine. Southbound 53 backed up Higgins to Thorndale. The northbound side, typing up Devon to Beasterfield. A little heavier on Higgins. And the outbound Stevenson, just over a half an hour to the Tri-State. The Ryan, 35 minutes from downtown to 95th. 
The northbound drive really filling in division up to Fullerton. Southbound back to Balbo to McFetridge. Again, backing up into 57. I'll have more in 15 minutes. That's WLS Skyview Shadow Traffic. Actually, I'm the stupidest guy here introducing segments that I know we have no way of connecting to. But uh, that's all right. Our producer was out being frisked by these officers. I've never seen you carry so many things hidden under your coat like that, Paul. Windy and cold tonight with a chance of snow flurries. Uh, continued windy and colder tomorrow. Low tonight, 22. High tomorrow, 25. Right now, it is 20, uh, 36 degrees along the lake. It's 37. 20 to 36. I've never heard of that uh, particular <laughs> they, degree before. They're going to charge Paul with all of these crimes. They were out frisking him and everything. I've never seen you get, what do you call it, a collar? Not a button-down, but just a collar? They still use that expression? Who no, gets credit next week, next week I'm bringing in a couple of cops who, whose basic beat is bad newscasting. I'll, no jury would convict me. I'd get off on uh, temporary reasoning. Right now, it's 37 along the lake. It's 36. Our next news will be at 6 o'clock. Bulletins at once. I'm Jim Johnson. WLS Talk Radio 890 News. Let's go back to more cop talk. Collars and uh, what else do you use? You call those? Cop you still talk. call those Roscos you carry? Roscos. Oh. That was a Roscoe. I've never heard of That's a, a Roscoe. That's oh. a gun. Don't you read, uh, who is it? Uh, Mickey Spillane. No, I've never read Mickey Spillane in my entire yes. life. Yes. A gets, too? Gets. A gets to brides and to cops of Roscoe's and to college. Welcome back, fun seeker. Sergeant Jack helping Sergeant Ron Rizzo from the Chicago PD Vice Squad. You guys get the kind of support from the community that you uh, really require to do your job? Let me start with you, Sergeant Helping. Uh, we don't get as much support as we'd like. Uh, generally, when people uh, call a problem to our attention and we move on it uh, and we arrest folks... Uh, we found that the, the best way to bring the seriousness of the offense to the uh, uh, court's attention is for folks from the neighborhood to show up. And uh, unfortunately, we don't get enough of that. We're looking for more. Why do you find they don't show up? Possibly mm-hmm. all they really wanted you to do was shoo them away? Possibly. And they don't really want to send anybody to jail for that? I don't know what the real feelings are. It's an inconvenience for them to come to court, uh, and I suppose they go... You know, uh, working folks who have to be at work instead of sitting around a courtroom. But uh, we found that that's the best way to do it for the community to show up in court. Sergeant Rizzo, uh, do you get enough support? Not really. We really, uh, you know, we get some calls, but we really don't get as many calls as we should get regarding our problem. Basically, everyone thinks, you know, it's it's, it's nothing here. Everyone likes to gamble. They say we have the lottery. Why not have gambling on everything? You guys go out and chase down office football pools? No, we don't. A lot of money involved in some of those. I know, but if we were chasing office football pools, that's all we'd be doing for 52 weeks a year is chasing office football pools. Technically illegal. Technically illegal. Cop shows, TV, television, I know that most of them have no bearing on reality, but in your end of the business, uh, depicted reasonably uh, accurate? Total fabrication? Something in between? You're talking about Miami Vice? Well, possibly. Never happened. It's total fabrication. You're, you're not provided with a Lamborghini and a yacht and uh, things not of that nature, you know, to help uh, <clears throat> help your undercover position. Not hardly. How many hours a day do you work? Mm, On the average. Ten, eleven, twelve. Are you dealing with the same people over over and over again, like Sergeant Helping? No, not really. I mean, you know, some of them we run into a couple times a year, but. Every time we, you know, basically there's different crew of people. Getting better or getting worse in the city of Chicago? Gambling problem. 
Well, gambling is getting more prevalent in the city of Chicago. Why do you think that is? It's depicted on TV all the time. You turn the TV on, there's a football game on, there's a basketball game on. People have cable now. People like to watch when they bet. They like to watch what they're betting on. And you can turn your TV on almost, you know, 18 hours a day and see some type of sporting event that you could make a wager on. When I was a little kid, probably shouldn't tell this, but what the hell. When I was a little kid, uh, I would go sometimes and stay with my grandmother who lived in Camden, New Jersey. And uh, every morning, around about 9, 9.15, somebody would come to the house. And uh, he and my grandmother would sit down at the kitchen table and she would have a stack of quarters and she would give him a whole list of numbers. And I, every afternoon about 3.30, she would turn on the radio and get the results from Garden State Park or whatever the designated uh, racetrack was that day. And she'd frantically uh, he'd write them down and sit there and add them up and whatever the little formula was. I guess it was always the last digit uh, for, from the first three races. And if she was lucky, the guy would come by that night at 6.30 and give her some money. In other words, you know, she was playing the numbers. Uh, do the numbers still exist? Yes, they do. Now they've, uh, they've taken the numbers for the Illinois State Lottery. The illegal lottery is being run on the same numbers that are provided by the state. Oh, it's not kind of dumb? Or you get better odds? They have better odds. They generally pay you 600 to 1 instead of 500 to 1. And they'll take quarter bets. People still go to the house like uh, my grandmother's bookie did? Very few. There may be three or four in the city that we know of. Gentlemen, let me ask you to put some headphones on there, and we'll take some telephone calls. If you need to adjust the volume, there's a little button in that panel right in front of you. Okay, does the volume sound okay? I mean, am I too loud? Uh, I don't hear you. Okay, well, there's a little black knob there. Okay? All right, let's go to the phones. Joliet, hi, Joliet. You're on the air at WLS. Bob, excellent show. Um, I have a question for one of the officers. Um... Uh, what is the difference if uh, somebody in the pornography movies pays a girl to perform in that or if she's just doing it at her house? What's the... It's still an illegal act. Well, it depends on what the act is, I guess. No, no. I mean, when you rent a movie in, in pornography, they are having interviews. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Right. Right. So what's the difference? All because it's in the movie, it's okay, but if you do it in your own home... It's not, even though you're still selling it? In other words, he's saying, you know, in the state of California or wherever they make a por pornographic movie, a couple of people get together, uh, you know, they give a camera and some lights and they make a film. Right. And it, it's, you know, if they did the same thing in Chicago, it would be illegal. But if you transfer that videotape here, you know, send it through the mail or drive it over, uh, it's it's not, correct? Right. Um, no, we've, the true Pornography is, uh, if it uh, transcends uh, state lines, uh, is illegal. Distribution of pornography, uh, it's a federal crime. Recently, uh, uh, a uh, homosexual, uh, gay prostitution uh, um, operation was uh, moved on by the federal uh, postal authorities and uh, uh, resulted in an arrest of a near north uh, distributor of illicit firm uh, films the actual hiring of a person to uh, engage in prostitution and then the sharing in those profits is what we call pandering it's one of the few felonies we have in in the uh, prostitution fields is it illegal by the way in the city of chicago or even in the state of illinois for 
true homosexuals, male, female, makes no difference, uh, to meet down at Grant Park and uh, uh, solicit without without uh, money being exchanged uh, sexual relations? And if so, does the Vice Department get involved in that? No, the, the prostitution uh, statute is pretty clear, and it's uh, sex for money. Uh, concerning adults, uh, we don't have any business in... Uh... Okay. Caller, does that pretty much answer your question, by the way? Not really. What I was asking is that if a girl sells her body on the streets, it's wrong. But if she makes a movie, it's okay. That's one of my questions. Well, I, I don't know about uh, where uh, most of the films are, no, uh, originate from. There's a video store in Chicagoland. They have a pornography section. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay for her to make that movie, but if she sells it on the street, that's wrong, right? No, uh, It's the same wrong. thing. She's, she is getting paid to make the movie, and she's getting paid to perform the act on the street. If she gets paid to make the movie right. here in the state of Illinois... No, I'm talking about in California. No. Uh, once again, I don't know anything about the laws of California. Uh, uh, but it would be against the law to make a pornographic film, uh, an X-rated film, whatever, in the state of Illinois. Uh, the pandering statute uh, provides that if a person either uh, forces or uh, hires someone to engage in prostitution and then shares in the profits from that act, whether they be through the sale of a movie or not, and that subject is is uh, he's subject to be charged with the offense of pandering. I won't ask for any specifics, but do you agree with all the laws that you're asked to enforce? And I won't ask you which ones you don't. I've got mixed feelings on some. Sergeant uh, Rizzo, how about you? Do you agree with all the laws you're asked to enforce? And I've got mixed feelings on some, too. Some are so minor that we shouldn't even be involved in. To a car phone we go. Hi, car. You're on the air at WLS. Yes. Uh, Bob, the, uh, your one guess that has to do with the vice uh, squad. Well, they're both with the vice squad. They have yeah. just different specialties within it. Well, with regard to prostitution, uh, have you seen any change in the... Uh, amount of prostitution with the advent of this AIDS uh, epidemic. Any effect at all? I, our arrest statistics uh, go up every year. So, uh, they go up? They, they were up in 89 over 88. The population is stable, so we have to assume it's, it's they're literally going up. It's not just because the population is going up. Well, the reason I'm asking, I, I travel a lot, and I was in, uh, I, I'm finding myself in Amsterdam occasionally, and they're having problems over there. They're, they're, uh, prostitution situation, you want to call it a problem, it's going down because the prostitutes are having problems because of the, uh, because of the AIDS situation. And I would think that would have a, a, a real negative effect, uh, wouldn't you? Well, uh, unfortunately, a lot of our, our, our street prostitutes in particular think that they're safe uh, with the use of condoms. And uh, so maybe that's a false sense of security that, that everyone's under, uh, and it hasn't uh, deterred them. Well, how about the John? I'm thinking more of the John rather than the prostitute. Well, uh, got some comments there, I guess, but I'm thinking more of the uh, the person being solicited, being afraid, rather than the uh, prostitute. Well, we haven't seen any any marked uh, drop off in, in I mean, people who just uh, AIDS is the major reason why they don't uh, patronize. Anyway. How many people are arrested on an average day in the city of Chicago for prostitution? 
Well, I can only speak for our unit. Uh, other uh, units I picked up after I was already prepping my show and had done all of my notes and figured I knew what I was going to do late this afternoon. And I read an article about prison. Prison that Manuel Noriega is going to likely be sent to should he be convicted and tried to start with. And it disturbed me. It disturbed me very much. It's a level six federal prison, which level six means it is the maximum of maximum security prisons, and it's pretty grim. Uh, not because it's old and decrepit. No, it's a relatively new facility. It's the mentality of the way the, place, the prison is run, where the people treat it, and it's very disturbing. But of course, we have the right job then. Of course, there are all kinds of other things out there floating around. And then, of course, there's the fact that I get 43 cents, 43 cents a call, no matter what. Only give you the telephone numbers and let's start bringing the cash register, okay? Those Christmas bills are starting to come in. 591-8900-591-8900. And the best thing is, it doesn't cost you hardly anything to call them, what's the long distance one? Uh, to the north side, we go out in the north room here at WLI. Hi, Bob. Hi. I was. I just wanted to say that, especially when you're dealing with prostitution, because of the nature of you, I mean, it's the whole deal of, of the dating game, you know? So why not just, you know, get the fluff out of the way and, and make a direct deal and be done with it? But then again, there is a problem in the mountain in front of your house and my house. You know, well, yeah. not on a residential street, but, uh, I mean, I lived on a street, you know, that had some, and, and I worked around there, too. And this was on North Kenmore Avenue. I don't know if you're familiar with the north side or not, but uh, they used to be out here. And I, I think that there's a little bit of exaggeration on them. I, I never saw them jump on the hood of a car or anything. Basically, they just stand there and wait for you to cruise down the street, and, and uh, they ask you if you want a date. That's basically all they do. And I've never seen them approach a uh, station wagon with the kids and the wife and all this kind well, of thing. Well, to tell you the truth, I have. You know... It wasn't exaggerating. Yeah, that, that is definitely an exaggeration. And, and, you know, they never bothered me, and I never bothered them. And, in fact, if, if you refer a client to them, you know, they'll they'll uh, give you a little uh, uh, tip, you know. But, uh, you know, they never bothered anybody in the neighborhood. Word. Thank you very much, caller. Thank you. 591-8900-591-8900. Off it is to the south side. Hi, South. You're on the air, WLS. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Doing fine. Yeah, I, I just got out of the penitentiary about two weeks ago. I've been home for two weeks, and uh, I just want to say that, uh, you know, when I was in the penitentiary, Bob, I was shifted from uh, about five different penitentiaries during my time. Why? Uh, why? Uh-huh. Uh, mostly, uh, I guess you would say, safekeeping and then uh, request of the family. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I was uh, in Stateville for no more than about three years, Menard for about one. Well, my total years span like 10 years from uh, 78 to now, uh, where actually uh, 10, 10 and a half. And uh, let's see, Graham, Danville, Joliet and the county back here uh, in Chicago, the county for my uh, release for uh, six months. And now I'm back home and uh, the penitentiary is hell, but I paid, I paid my dues, I deserve it. 
And uh, I mean, I deserve what I got. That's what I'm saying. The 10 years that I spent in my life as a teenager up to now, you know, 78, I was uh, still a young man, you know, just coming out of my teenagehood. Tell me about an average day in the, in the pen. Tell me about an average day in the pen. I can hear you. Tell me about your average day. Oh, my average day? Well, yeah, what'd you I do? Did, uh, trying to uh, not be stabbed. Uh, I, I was stabbed twice. Uh, I had a major operation in Statesville when uh, a gang, of, uh, a street gang from Chicago stabbed me. And uh, let's see, um, uh, this, I can't think of this, uh, some, some organization maybe. This organization down in Milan, Milan is a, uh, uh, well, Milan is a penitentiary, but it's a maximum security penitentiary, but the point is, I'm trying to make it that this uh, is a, it's like a white, uh, white men, white males, they're the ones that run it more so than uh, up in Statesville, these black guys, you know, they they run it and they, they tell people what to do. But this uh, these white guys, they tried to sell me down in Milan, but uh, they, you know, they got me out of there, you know, they, they sent me back to Joliet. And, uh, you know, uh, the, I mean, well, the white guys, I wasn't too much worried about them, but just that these black guys from all kinds, they tried, I mean, they really had a hit on me to get through to me for real. I mean, I thought I was going to go out the back door in a pine box, but, but I, uh, luckily I was able to survive that. And, uh, I mean, um, I, I, I caught hell. I really caught hell. I had to, I had to be with a group myself to survive. You know, I didn't want to be with nobody. I really wanted to be by myself. How long was and, your original sentence? Uh, my original sentence was actually 30 years. But, uh, you know, when you're doing deals like that, 30, you know, you, you, uh, you have to do like 15 uh, or less. Uh, if you're doing like, you know, they give you 15 years, you have to do five or less or, or something like that. Were you but, scared the first day? I, I was very scared because I was young. But, you know, once I became older, I grew into this, you know, it's like, like a way of life. And uh, I, met this, I met this one person down there. I mean, I didn't, like, we weren't buddies, but... Uh, uh, this guy that uh, in the 60s he killed uh, about six nuns, I mean not nuns, but nurses, uh, Speck, Richard Speck, he was in State Bill, he's in State Bill now. You met him? Uh, well, everybody know him, you know, he's just like, uh, they call him Old Man down there, they don't call him Richard or uh, Mr. Speck, they just call him Old Man, you know, that's a nickname for him. And, you know, he played chess, you know, we played chess together in a... You know, uh, I'm, uh, I mean, no one does, doesn't uh, uh, pry to his uh, past life. Well, why did you do this? You know, I'd be a fool to ask that man why did he did this, why did he did that. I mean, he didn't ask me why did I do what I did, you know, just that we're dead. When, when, once you're there, you're dead. You have nothing to ask. You know, it's no, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to ask why did you do this to get in here, you know. So uh, we played chess together, and uh, I mean, he's he just like anybody else. He's just he doing his time. How much notice did you get uh, before you got out? I mean, how long did you know that you were going to get out? Uh, well, I just about knew it. Well, the, 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 the fifth time I went before the board, he, uh, well, I went before the board, I, I knew that uh, that uh, I was about to get out that fifth time. And how much longer was it before they said, yeah, until you actually were released? Well, it was about, it was about good. It was a good year. A Must have been a long year. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we'll see what it is. It's just that they see the real tape process. And uh, I, I thought I was going to get out when I went to Danville, but it didn't work like that. I, I, I thought I was you know, being sent from being sent from Graham to Danville. I thought Danville was my last place. I thought I was getting out last year. And uh, that, I, I found out that uh, they still want, they, they said that uh, they thought I wasn't ready. You know, that's not because of the way uh, nothing I was doing in the penitentiary. I was a model prisoner, but the point is, it's just that they said that uh, 
is, is just that I'm not a good example for these younger people out here today. You know, they, they say I'm the problem. I'm the reason why these younger people are doing what they're doing, selling all this drugs and this and that and this killing going on. But uh, I, I can't, I can't just say that it was me. It's my, it's not my fault that these young people are selling drugs. I didn't even make, I don't make nobody sell drugs out here. You know, I didn't never put no drugs in nobody's hand or nothing. How like long that. you been out? I've been out for two weeks now. Two weeks, uh, right after Christmas? Exactly. exactly. So I spent the holiday with my family. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, my daughter is almost grown than I am now. You know, she's bigger than me. I can't believe it. You know, all these years that went past. Do you have a job yet? Excuse me? Do you have a job yet? Uh, yeah. Yes, I made a job. Right away. Exactly. Right away. You know, this uh, my uh, probation officer. So, um, so now, you know, I just have to uh, play by his rules. And uh, if I don't, you know, um, if I don't put up my uh, parole officer's rules, I'm in, I'm in big trouble. You know, I can't go across state line. I can't do anything, really, but just go to work. And I'm not thinking about doing anything, you know, uh, because I'm in doing anything wrong. I'm thinking about doing a lot of right things now, you know, because penitentiary was hell. I, you know, I put hell, you know. I remember Audie Murphy making the movie to hell and back, you know. I've been to hell and What did it feel like the day you came out of there? Uh, yeah, I came out, it yeah. felt like freedom, you know, it felt like... Uh, I, I was released from a cage, and I just, I, I really felt great. You know, What's the first thing you did? Oh, the first thing I did, I took the little money that I had, and I went, and I really bought me some very comfortable shoes. Very comfortable shoes. And then, um, I, uh, after I, I bought my shoes, I went to, um, to find me, um, I think the name of this, uh, what they, what they call it, um, oh, boy, I can't think of the name of it now, but it's, Anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's where you, um, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. But the place I went to was on the north side of Chicago. Someone drove me up there. And, uh, um, no, no. Oh, yeah, that's, I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, a company, yeah. This company where they have, you know, psychologists. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, someone to, uh, to, so that you can adjust to uh, life and whatnot. You know, and so, uh. I wanted to find me a real good one. I was the person was suggested by some family members, and, uh, and uh, what do they call that though? Not a psychiatrist, a psychologist. Or what do they call that, sir? Uh, it's like when you go to, you know, uh, therapist. Th yeah, therapist. Therapist. Like a therapist. I went to find a real good therapist up north, and now I go to that person uh, twice a week, which ain't bad. Think you're gonna make it? Oh, I think so. I think I'm gonna make it now for ten years. It's like, I mean, you become institutionalized. I, I feel institutionalized, you know, I feel, you know, it, it has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do with what I did, you know, it was just me. I was the idiot, you know. I was the culprit, the nut, you know, that went and did what I did back in 78. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm just glad now that I'm able to see that uh, crime doesn't pay. I don't care what anyone says. Crime does not pay. If anybody listens to me and think they can get away with selling dope Thank you, my friend. Good luck. Okay, thanks a lot. Take care. Can you begin to imagine, after 10 years, doing something as routine, as mundane, as deciding that you want to go up and go to the refrigerator at 10 o'clock at night and make a sandwich? Kind of special, huh? Five nine one eight nine zero zero five nine one eighty nine hundred. An open hour. North for a kind north. You're on air. WLS.
Now, here is Bob Lasseter. Uh, pity poo. I was going to go to a call from the south side where somebody wanted to ask me how I would want to treat Speck, but... Ten seconds left in the commercial, and the guy hangs up. At least I assume it was a guy. Sir, please, please. Waiting to talk to you. Off it is to Cook County Jail. Hi there, Cook County Jail. You're on the air. It's WLS. Hi, Bob. Hi. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Bob, I was curious uh, as to what your experience is with the criminal element. What my experience is with a criminal element? Relatively yes. none. Well, um, the reason I'm asking is because it's been, you know, my experience here that when things are given to the inmates to use that you know they get destroyed in a rather quick manner and uh, as far as carpeting and paintings on the walls and some of the things you were mentioning uh, they would just be trashed in a short period of time I'm sure it's a possibility uh, it's a reality I see every day okay so it's a reality uh but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to, you know, make them better citizens or... Didn't suggest citizens. it would make them better citizens. Sorry? I didn't suggest it would make them better citizens. I well, mean, if, if you work inside of the Cook County Jail, I've never been inside of the Cook County Jail, but I assume it is quite similar to, to other major metropolitan facilities, and I assume it's a pretty damn bleak place. Uh, it's, yeah, it's tremendously bleak. What it's color is it? What color is it, Andy? Uh... Orange and yellow, and it's a reddish bright color. It's not depressing in that sense. Uh, but the fact that it is uh, a jail, and that's because enough. Oh, you, do, you, do you realize that if you were trying, if you were decorating a store, and you wanted people within that store to be extra hyper, uh, i.e., more inclined to shop, uh, <clears throat> you probably paint it orange and yellow? Yes, uh-huh. The bright colors. Yeah. Yeah. Make people more hyper. Uh, how's the lighting? Harsh? No. No, it's, uh, fluorescent lighting. Not, 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 uh... Would you like to live with fluorescent lighting at home? Okay. Would you like to live with fluorescent lighting at home? So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. No, basically. Just, just a little more thought. Just, just a little bit more. Not more money, but a little bit more thought. Do they have a choice for dinner, by the way? I beg pardon? Do they have a choice for dinner? No, no, no. That's not, uh... You ever been on a diet eating the same crap day in and day out? That's insane, doesn't it? Well, I was supposed to fight, but, you know, I mean, this, this is not, uh... This is not I wasn't suggesting, you know, filet mignon and lobster as your choices. Well, you know, maybe meatloaf and, uh, you know, pizza. Or whatever it might be. Well, you know, again, you know, you get into a money situation or, you know, a cost factor. Well, it's not terribly hard, uh, statistically, to, to figure out uh, how many people will eat this and how many people will eat that. And, you know, hey, when you run out of one, you run out of one. But most of the time, you're probably going to get a choice. I, I, again, it doesn't really cost any more money. Well, yeah, I, well, I, I think it would. It would cost a lot more money to, to uh, offer that type of menu or offer choices, as you were saying earlier. I really don't think that the citizens of this, of this Chicago or this county would want to you know, be paying extra taxes to offer uh, people who have uh,
And also, when you go to visit somebody in Cook County, you uh, talk to a glass. But that would be okay if you didn't have to lean over this counter that practically slices at your, your stomach when you're trying to have a conversation with the other person on the other side of the side. Mm -hmm. And I often wonder why that was, um, what was uh, built like that. For what reason, I don't know. Uh, also... Room too. Uh, but there's still no reason why the room that they're kept in can't be a little nicer. That is correct. And there isn't any reason why you've got to remind somebody on Christmas Day that they're in prison and give them hot dogs and beans. Right. Uh, th that is mental cruelty. Yes, I, th I thought. I thought they could have done better than that. It was, uh, they could have given the hot dogs and beans the next day or some other day. But that's what they were given this past Christmas because, like I said, I spoke to two people that were in there, and they were just in there temporarily. They are out now, and uh, that's what they were given, hot dogs and beans. And uh, it just uh, it, uh, seemed really pretty weird to me to be given hot dogs and beans on Christmas Day. Uh, thank you much. Take care. Uh, you're kidding. He went away again. To, to the uh, um, to the gentleman in the uh, south side who, uh, who who called initially about uh, you know how would I treat Spec and then who called back uh, I don't think you quite understand the concept of talk radio sir uh, uh, in, in essence what what we ask you to do is you know to kind of wait your turn um, this is not like calling you know your your buddy Joe hey Frank's on the phone Joe oh get right over there. Um, we, we, we were very interested in, in speaking with you, sir, but, uh, uh, and actually I was going to take you out of order the second time around, but, uh, I, I think, uh, I, I, I have more than one line, so maybe if you ever would call again, you might take that into consideration and, you know, get you a yeah, but we don't bribe you with restaurant and ball game tickets to call. I mean, that's, you know, I don't even want to begin to tell you how ridiculous they are. In any event, uh, I worked at Cook County Jail for six months, so about 20 years ago. And, uh, people have to realize that that is a holding situation. These are not all, they're not convicted. They're waiting trial. And a lot of them spend a lot of time because of the continuances and so on and so forth. I don't know what this fellow from Cook County Jail was, whether he had mentioned uh, that the food should be better. I used to eat the same food that the prisoners ate, and it was a reasonably good fare. Now, maybe it's it's deteriorated since then, as they say. That's you obligated three times a day? Well, it, it was, I ate there three times a day. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons they kicked me out of there is the fact that they uh, accused me of bringing this in and bringing that in because well, you know, I'm I not suggesting with these people than anybody else. I'm not suggesting that the food is not good. Uh, one of my favorite diets used to be the high-protein, low-carbohydrate diet, right. which means I could eat all the steak, all the ham, all the lobster, all the... Uh, all the shrimp my little heart desired. I mean, it sounds like dying and going to heaven, right? I uh, tried for about three weeks. Oh, God, no, not the same food. <laughs> well, I, you had mentioned Spectre. Someone had mentioned Spectre, and that's prior to my uh, uh, turning you on today. But 
I uh, I had occasion to meet Speck a couple of times, and he's a he's a despicable person. But sure he is. I, I agree. I agree to a great. Uh, I agree thoroughly with what you're saying about the 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 worst thing that you can do is put someone in prison for a long, long, long time. Not under their not under animalistic conditions, but. As there's there's a there's a prison down I believe it's it's either in Florida or or it's Atlanta area, which is operating as a as a military installation. In other words, you don't have the the two man cells. You have barracks. You have everybody with the same haircut. You have you don't there. If you go to a prison today and you see people dressed, uh, you know, it's ridiculous. And it's a well-known fact, and I'm sure you're aware of this, that the... Well, wait a second. Why, why is it ridiculous? Why is, why is it ridiculous? I... Well, the gangs run the prisons. Yeah. That's, that goes without saying. There's more dope. There's more. And, you know, it, it just... It's, there have been article after article where we see this. And I, I saw this in, in county jail. That was just a microcosm of what goes on in the, in the larger prisons. And, very frankly, I got along... Uh, the head of the Muslims, they had a fellow there who he was the, the top, the top black in the in the jail. I am a I'm a conservative. So let me tell you, he said, any of my people go to see the warden about anything, you got to go see Bob. You got to go with him because he stands up for everybody in this in this in this holy thing. And it, it, it was just amazing to me. And as I say, one day. They kicked me out of there because I would stay until 7, 7.30 at night. You're supposed to leave at 4.30. And then they, they they were losing control. The social department was losing control. They said, hey, this guy, is, he's uh, he's getting uh, everybody on his side in this place. But to be that as it may, I believe in a barracks type of situation. I believe in a military type of situation. And as you do that, these people don't live like animals. You, you look at a... You look at a uh, at a military installation, a basic training type of thing, whether it be Army, Marine Corps, and you have that type of thing, not to that to the degree where they're they're beating these people and putting them through all kinds of machinations, but when it's a when it's a military type of thing, its cleanliness is stressed, discipline is stressed, and let these people learn because, as one individual mentioned, these people come from oh, sure. rather sorry situations. push-ups and running around, you know, running wind sprints, that'll do. Let's I'll teach care of them. You know, the ones who need, the, ones who need the, the teaching, the ones who are not able to read and write and so on and so forth, one of the greatest causes toward this, and I, had a, I have a couple of degrees, one of them happens to be sociology, and I was big time on that, but these are, you know, if there's a basic understanding of what the human need is, and these people call it, push-ups, well, you know, pardon? Push-ups. That's a basic understanding of what well, they need. Push-ups. Uh, I tell you, it's uh, one, two, it's, it's one, not just two. it's not that mentality. It's the fact that you're you're giving somebody they want to they take pride in what they have and what they what they are. That's 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 basic. Take I, pride. I thank you very much. First time I ever heard a bleeding heart conservative. A lot of you people probably think it's a. Uh, I think it's it's fun to work in radio. It's a glamorous job that it's 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 neat and happy and <clears throat> they just came in here. They of course management and wrote about two of my colleagues on the board across the the room from me for everybody to see Don and Roma, who is a jerk, and the scandal scoop. Why? Why? I mean, if he doesn't like Roma, That's I. It says Don and Roma, who is a jerk, and the scandal scoop. <laughs> and then it says Stacy Taylor, what's in the face? 
I know it's not a very good-looking face, but that's no reason to, to humiliate the man in front of everybody else who works here. Better? Well, now it says Don and Roma. Who is a jerk? <laughs> I mean, will I get the pick and shoes now? <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I wonder he works in radio. <laughs> Just doesn't have a way with the written word at all. Unbelievable. Oh, now, now he's not the other one laughing. That's funny. Hey, what's your rule? young people thinking about getting into it look into something else insurance anything unreal well this just about brings us to the end of the broadcast for this day there are exciting things still ahead the week of women continues Mary Nicholson this afternoon or this evening as the case may be it's your evening my afternoon Catherine Johns again tomorrow night and I think they're auditioning someone named uh Sally something or other next Monday night. We don't have much hope for that. I, of course, will be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock unless they catch on to me or unless I catch on to them. And then it's Don and Roma. Which one is the jerk and which one is the scandal scoop? I kind of lean toward Don as the jerk and Roma as the scandal scoop. I mean, if they're the only two choices available, it's not really the way I think of her. But if that's, you know, the only choice available, Mr. Taylor at uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow and then, of course... Steve Magnificent Lassiter <clears throat> tomorrow afternoon at 3. And that's what it's all about. Just sitting here thinking, when I used to work in music radio, if you had 10 seconds to fill, we'd go insane. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And here I have, you know, maybe not as well as it could possibly be done, but better than I'd, better than most people could do. I've sat here for almost a minute and a half, not enough time to take a call, with nothing really whatsoever to say, and more or less filled the time. With hardly any dead air, just a few pregnant pauses, one eye on the clock, thinking on my feet, my God, I'm good. Love you, Chicago. Not